Team Biden becomes more and more disconnected from the realities of everyday Americans, and major blue cities start to push vaccines on children. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't let big tech track what you do. Anonymize your web browsing at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, here is your reminder. You don't have to wait till Black Friday to start saving a lot of money in the here and now. What's one great way to save money? I mean, not just right now, but like every month for the rest of time. Switch your cell phone coverage from one of those big guys to Pure Talk because you can cut your cell phone bill in half just by making that switch. Pure Talk gives you killer 5G coverage on one of the largest 5G networks in the country and still saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch myself. The coverage is excellent. Their US-based customer service actually does care about you and Pure Talk's prices, they're pretty much wholesale. Like you're going to save a lot of money. You know, unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month and they have options for unlimited data as well. Keep your number, keep your phone, or this month, get Black Friday prices on new phones like the iPhone 12 for just $479, which is a heck of a deal because that thing retails for over a thousand bucks. They have a 30-day risk free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. Go to puretalk.com, shop for a plan and phone that's right for you, then enter promo code SHAPIRO. You will save 50% off your first month and save on a new phone. That is puretalk.com, promo code SHAPIRO. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Alrighty, so I want to begin today with a really fascinating report. This is from Pew Research Center. And it's looking at at the ways that the American population breaks down politically. And unlike the sort of typical report where you have red, blue, and then independent, this one tries to break down Americans into political typology. And so they break down Americans into essentially nine categories, four on the right or leaning right, four on the left or leaning left. And then you have what they call the stressed sideliners. And this study demonstrates pretty clearly how the Democratic shift to the left is leaving behind a lot of people. And it explains why exactly the Republican Party is in good shape for 2022. So according to Pew, there are two very different groups of liberal Democrats, progressive left and establishment liberals. Progressive left, the only majority white non-Hispanic group of Democrats, have very liberal views on virtually every issue. They support far-reaching changes to address racial injustice and expand the social safety net. Establishment liberals, while just as liberal in many ways as the progressive left, are far less persuaded of the need for sweeping change. There are two other democratic aligned groups that couldn't be more different from each other, both demographically and in their relationship to the Democratic Party. You got the Democratic Mainstays, that is the largest Democratic-oriented group, as well as the oldest on average. These are unshakable Democratic loyalists and have a moderate tilt on some issues. And then you have the outsider left, the youngest typology group. They voted overwhelmingly for Biden a year ago. They're liberal in a lot of their views, but they are deeply frustrated with the political system, including the Democratic Party and its leaders. Then you have four Republican-oriented groups. So you have three groups of conservatives, the faith and flag conservatives, who are intensely conservatives, uh, intensely conservative across the board, far more likely than all other typology groups to say government policies should support religious values and compromise in politics is selling out what you believe in. You've got committed conservatives who express conservative views across the board. They're a little bit softer on immigration and America's place in the world. And then you have the populist right, who are slightly less educated in terms of number of degrees. They're the most likely to live in rural areas. They are highly critical of immigrants and major U.S. corporations. This would be kind of the Trumpy wing of the Republican Party. Then you have the ambivalent right. This is the youngest and least conservative GOP aligned group. They're conservative about the size of government. They're economically conservative, but they are they are fairly liberal when it comes to drugs, for example, or abortion and social issues. They don't like Trump very much. They uh, a majority voted for him in 2020, but a lot of them are not big on on Trump. Okay, then you have the stressed sideliners. Okay, the stressed sideliners 
is the group with the lowest level of political engagement. They make up 15% of the public. They constituted just 10% of voters in 2020. They have a mix of conservative and liberal views, but they are largely defined by their minimal interest in politics. Okay, now the way that these numbers break down in the American population is that the faith and flag conservatives are about 10% of the population. Committed conservatives are about 7% of the population. That'd be sort of the old Reagan conservatives. The populist right is 11% of the population. And the ambivalent right, the people who are sort of younger and less politically engaged, they're, they're about 12% of the American population. So overall on the right, you've got about 40% of the American population. Then you have the stressed sideliners who are about 15% of the American population. So you got 40 R's and 15 stressed sideliners who break down fairly evenly by party. And then you have the Democratic coalition, which represents about 45% of the American population. Okay, so what does this mean? It means that much of America's political battle is over those stressed sideliners. And if Democrats continue to skew to the left, to the progressive left particularly, they're in a lot of trouble. So if you are to, to create sort of a political spectrum from right to left, on the far right here, you have the faith and flag conservatives. And then on the far left, you have the progressive left. Faith and flag conservatives are a lot closer in orientation to the stressed sideliners than the progressive left are. The progressive left stress people out. They stress them out in a very, very serious way. And they are 6% of the American population. They are the lowest percent of any political typology, but they are also the most engaged element of the Democratic left. They have enormous control over the direction in which the Democratic left moves right now. And, and particularly, they are outspoken about not just environmental issues, but particularly on racial issues. The woke crowd, the progressive left woke crowd, which is driving the bus in the Democratic Party right now, they are not in line with the vast majority of Americans on a lot of these issues. According to Pew, perhaps no issue is more divisive than racial injustice in the United States. Among the four Republican-oriented typology groups, no more than about a quarter say a lot more needs to be done to ensure equal rights for all Americans, regardless of racial or ethnic background. By comparison, no fewer than three quarters of any Democratic group say a lot more needs to be done to achieve this goal. However, Democrats differ over whether the changes to ensure equal rights for all can be achieved by working within the system or whether most laws and institutions need to be completely rebuilt. Progressive left and outsider left are far more likely than the other two Democratic groups to say systemic change is needed to combat racial bias. And so this has always been a battle inside the Democratic Party, the battle between the revolutionaries and between the people who say that we need to give the government lots of power so the government can restructure America from the inside. And Barack Obama sort of bridged that gap in 2008, 2012. But now that gap has emerged again, and the progressive left seems to be in charge. On the right, a lot of the divisions are actually economic in nature, believe it or not. So Republicans tend to be very much in favor of limited government, but the populist right diverges sharply from traditional GOP positions with their negative view of corporations. Only 17% say most corporations make a fair profit, which means that you have sort of a horseshoe theory Republican Party in the progressive right. You know, what does this mean? It means that there's not a lot of middle in American politics. If there is a cohesive middle in American politics, it is just about who pisses them off more. It really is not about there being a lot of shared values in the middle of the American spectrum. Pew says that there is obviously broad support for a third major political party, but that is not going to materialize because the middle is not one group of people. Those stressed sideliners, they disagree on a lot of issues. The stressed sideliners, outsider left and ambivalent right, who are the closest to the middle of the political spectrum here, quote, have very little in common politically. Stressed sideliners hold mixed views. Ambivalent right are conservative on many economic issues, while moderate on some social issues. Outsider left are very liberal on most issues, especially on race and the social safety net. 
What these groups do have in common is relatively low interest in politics. They had the lowest rates of voting in the 2020 presidential election and are less likely than other groups to follow government and public affairs most of the time. Okay, so this leads both parties to have to make a decision. The decision is, do we cater to the people who are the most engaged? So for the right, that would be the faith and flag conservatives who represent about a quarter of the base. And on the left, that would be the progressive coalition, which only represents about 12% of the Democratic coalition. Or do we aim for those stressed sideliners? Now, the good news for the Republican Party is that with the Democrats in power catering to the far left, you can cater to both the base and the stressed sideliners. Because the stressed sideliners are just ping-ponging back and forth based on who stresses them out, as the name would sort of suggest. They're not motivated to get up off their butts and vote in favor of an agenda, but they may be motivated to get up and vote by something that they really, really, really dislike. They didn't show up a lot in 2020. If they did show up, they voted overwhelmingly for Biden because Trump stressed them out. Now, if they get up and they vote, presumably they're not going to vote for Joe Biden. So the, the Democratic coalition is essentially being run at this point by the segment that is the smallest in their coalition, but also the most politically engaged. And that is pretty scary if you're a Democratic, if you're a Democratic strategist. If you're James Carville, you got to be freaking out right now because the political engagement among typology groups shows that faith and flag conservatives who represent about 23% of the Republican population and 10% of the American population overall are the most engaged Republicans. Committed conservatives and populist right are also pretty engaged. However, the most engaged by far on the left are the progressive left, by far. And they represent a tiny constituency inside the general American population. That is a, that is a serious problem for the Democratic Party. And then you look to how political typology groups view major issues, and you can see that the progressive left is really out of touch with the stressed sideliners, with the people who are closer to the middle. Right? They, they're, they're just, they're extremely far to the left is the bottom line, especially when you get to racial issues. On economic issues, they're, they're not as disconnected from everybody else as, as you might think. But when it comes to social issues, they are way the hell out there. Like really, really far out there. So for example, look at the stats right now on the question of who does a lot more need to be done to ensure equal rights for all Americans, regardless of their racial or ethnic background. So virtually everybody on the right says that's not a major issue. The people who are the stress sideliners, about 50% say yes, 50% say no. Nearly 100% of the progressive left says that a lot more needs to be done. A 75% of the progressive left says that they have strong support for Black Lives Matter, the movement. Hey, the rest of the Democratic Party is averaging about 50%, and the stress sideliners are down there at about 13%. If you look at the question of whether there is a lot of discrimination against black people in society, 80% of the progressive left says yes, and that is mirrored, they're dragging the party to the left, that is mirrored by establishment liberals, Democratic mainstays, and even the outsider left, but the stress sideliners are down at about 40% on the question of whether there's a lot of discrimination against black people in society. And that, that's a, again, these are serious disconnects for the Democratic Party on the issue of the day. The embrace of, of equity politics as the driving force in Democratic politics or the embrace of radical environmentalism, which you've seen from this administration. I understand why they're doing it. They're attacking that way because these are the activists. But if you become hostage to the activist class, you have a real serious problem on your hands. Like a very serious problem. Look at the progressive left when it comes to belief in God. Okay, here's a question in this poll. It is important for a person to believe in God in order to be considered good and moral. So virtually everybody 
from the center to the right says yes. Okay, in terms of like a majority of every group, including stress sideliners, say yes. In fact, stress sideliners are more likely than the ambivalent right to say it's important for a person to believe in God. Only about 12% of progressives say it's important for a person to believe in God to be considered good and moral. Unbelievably enough, it looks like about 5 to 10% of progressive leftists say society is better off if people make marriage and having children a priority. Now, what's amazing about that stat and what is devastating for the future of the country, by the way, is that really only faith and flag conservatives believe by broad majorities that society is better off if people have make, ha, make having marriage and children a priority. Like only, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like even members of the populist right or the ambivalent right are, are not super sold on marriage and kids, which is really, really not a good sign for the rest of America. But even so, the, the position that God is kind of important in life is rejected by broad swaths of the progressive left, but nobody else, nobody else. And so on this, this is why, you, you wonder why social issues matter so much to Americans because social issues do define the future of the country. And the progressive left is driving the bus on those social issues. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the greatest underwear on planet Earth. I'm talking about Tommy John underwear. These things are so good that once I got Tommy John underwear, I literally took all of my other underwear and I threw them out because Tommy John underwear are super comfortable. They are breathable. They are lightweight. They are moisture wicking. They have four times the stretch of competing brands. You'll feel the same level of comfort layering their luxuriously soft loungewear right on top. They have other stuff, not just underwear. They are comfortable and good looking. You can and you will be wearing them anywhere, which is why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. With over 96% four-star plus reviews and over 16 million pairs sold, you have to try a pair for yourself. Plus, it is all backed by that Tommy John best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. That is tommyjohn.com slash Ben for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Again, I love my Tommy John underwear. One thing that matters to me, by the way, they're really durable. Like you can put them through the wash a bunch of times and they're the same as when they came out of the package. Super lightweight, super breathable, very convenient. Go check them out right now. Go check out the Tommy John's men's underwear and all their other products. It really is good stuff. Go check them out right now. Okay, so back to this Pew Research poll, looking at the political breakdown of the United States. And it is, uh, it is sort of fascinating, again, how the, how the situation breaks down, not really demographically, but, but much more in terms of political belief and who is closer to the center. Now, the, the far left is not close to the center at all. The far left is actually pretty damned far left. And the faith and flag conservatives are not nearly as, as far from the center as the progressive left is. That, I think, is the key factor here in why the progressive left is alienating that center. It's, it's quite fascinating. And, and again, it demonstrates, I think, that being very online is a disaster for the Democratic Party. If they continue to press forward issues of environmentalism, which is not a major priority for, for so many Democrats, a lot of Democrats are not, are not super sold on this sort of stuff. Right? This is what Pew says. They say, in several key issue areas, including environmental policy, gun policy, abortion, racial equality, and other topics, differences across the coalition are less about the issue itself than, the, than in the intensity of support for liberal positions and policies. So if you look at progressive left versus the rest of the, the Democratic Party and the breakdown, the most liberal group, nearly 80% call themselves liberal, including 42% who describes themselves as very liberal. The progressive left, that's only 12% of Democrats. But if you look at establishment liberals, 
Establishment liberals, about half of them, consider themselves moderate or even net conservative. Democratic mainstays mostly consider themselves moderate. So the progressive left driving the bus, they're alienating many of their many of their own folks. And the issues that they prioritize are not the issues prioritized by the rest of America. This is why it, it, is, it is an act of political malpractice, frankly, what the Biden team is doing. What the Democrats are doing by driving everybody to the left, it's political malpractice. They've actually embraced a strategy that Republicans embraced a while ago and then sort of abandoned, which was, what if we just keep doubling down on the base over and over and over and over? Republicans did that in 2018 and it went very poorly for them. They did it again a little bit in 2020 on the presidential level and it didn't go great. And then you saw in Virginia and New Jersey, they didn't do that. They broadened out, not in terms even of their policy, but in terms of their appeal. And suddenly they were winning shocking victories. The Democrats, however, have decided that they're going to just go as radical as they possibly can and go hard or go home. And I, I, don't, I honestly do not understand what is driving it. Okay, so you can see the disconnect that is now being driven. Again, those stressed sideliners are only going to come out and vote if their stress becomes too great. And, and the same thing is true for the, the, the most politically disengaged groups only show up to vote when they are angry and when they are upset. They don't show up to vote because they are deeply entrenched in the utopian vision of the far left. And yet that's what the Democrats are pushing. Okay, so Team Biden has made a big showing at COP26. If you want to know about the vast disconnect between the American public and the Democratic Party, just understand that every major Democratic politician has now made it a priority to go over to Glasgow and speak in front of a bunch of Europeans about climate change, which is not a major priority for nearly any Americans outside of the progressive left. It is just not because it is at best a problem that is going to affect people over the course of the next century, and people are very well suited to adaptation. We are very, very good at it. But for Democrats, it's a major issue. Why? Because again, it is part of a broader utopian vision for reshaping everything from economic systems to the, the basic notions of the meritocracy. And so Nancy Pelosi travels over to Glasgow and she speaks. She says, we are proud of President Biden on climate. I don't know who is. Seriously, who, who's proud of President Biden on climate? Who are these people? And, and, are you completely disconnected from the American public? I mean, for Nancy Pelosi, the answer has always been yes, right? She was getting her hair cut while nobody else could get their hair cut without a mask. She was eating gelato in her next to her, her $20,000 sub-zero refrigerator while talking about how everybody should, should stay home and everything was fine during the pandemic. This lady is in a state of complete denial about the nature of reality for a huge swath of Americans. Here she is doing this again with regard to climate. Led by our delegation, the United States Congress is showing the world true climate leadership we're proud of our president. He was one of the first people in Congress in 1986 to introduce legislation to address the climate crisis. He takes great pride in that. He's worked on it ever since and now in the lead as president of the United States. He knows, as we all do, this is all about the children leaving a world where they can be healthy, more secure, and more in reach of their fulfillment. I have a question. Who is she appealing to? Seriously, who is she appealing to? And, and really, what is her goal? I mean, when she's speaking about this stuff, again, she's at this climate change summit for the UN, which is the most isolated of international politics, a hive of scum and villainy. Here she is talking about the interconnectedness of climate change and gender justice. When you just speak progressive buzzwords, no one knows what the hell you're talking about. You're utterly disconnected. Here she is. This is a nearly trillion dollar investment in Build Back Better and bipartisan infrastructure framework recognizes the interconnectedness of climate change and gender justice and enables women and girls to lead a just transition to a clean energy economy of the future. Okay, again, 
gender justice? What are you talking about, lady? What, what, what are you even talking about? Climate change and gender justice? The, the Democrats have become a parody of the old New York Times pseudo headline. Is yeah, so the, the, the old joke about the New York Times, that the New York Times is going to run a headline that said, world to end tomorrow, women and minorities hit hardest. That's literally what she's saying. She's saying climate change is going to hurt women the most. It's only going to hurt women. Like, what, what are you talking about? You're literally talking about how the earth is warming, which affects everyone, but it's only apparently going to affect women. And then you've got the media backing this sort of stuff. When the media, this is part of the problem for the Democrats, is that the media are infused with the spirit of the progressive left. And they just keep mirroring back to Democrats this echo chamber of the hardcore progressive left. So you end up with an article by Maxine Joslow at the Washington Post, gracing the front page of their website. Led by Pelosi, Democrats try to convince the world that the U.S. is back on climate change. Question, how many Americans give a crap? Really, we've got inflation out there. People aren't getting back to work in the numbers they should be getting back to work. People are worried about whether localities are going to force their kids to vaccinate. People are worried about whether they're ever going to be able to unmask. But don't worry, Nancy Pelosi is busy attempting to convince the French that we're serious about climate change. Who gives a crap? But the Biden crowd does because the Biden crowd have convinced themselves somehow that their coalition is unbreakable. But that's not true. Their coalition is very breakable. The only thing that kept that coalition together throughout the Trump years was Trump himself. If it had not been for Trump, the Democrats would have shattered on the shoals of everything. The same thing held true, by the way, when Barack Obama was president. There was wide disagreement among Democrats about Barack Obama's policies. Like everything from Obamacare and, and whether health care should have a public option to his tax policies. They were only held together by the fact that the media declared all Republicans were evil and racist and the Tea Party was evil and racist. What happens when the Republican Party just is not there for you to bounce off of? What if, what, what if Trump is not there for them to kick around anymore? They start to break up. They start to shatter. But they've convinced themselves somehow that, that this radical agenda is popular. I, I'm honestly, I, I sort of sit here in amazement that this is what they got Nancy Pelosi over. Going, if climate change, we're going to convince the Ugandans. We're serious. Like, who are you talking to, lady? Who are you talking to? We're going to get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about a simple fact. At some point in the very near future, I would imagine the mortgage rates are going to go up. The reason is that the Fed is tapering. Monetary policy is going to be a little bit tighter. So if you've been looking at a mortgage refinance, but you haven't actually done it yet, you really should get in under the wire right now. If you're a homeowner who's focused on your budget, focused on your future, focused on finding the right option to save money, I have something for you to consider, a mortgage refinance. It is a strategic approach that makes sense for a lot of people because rates remain near all-time lows, making it a great time to call American Financing. Learn about custom loan options that can save you up to 1000 bucks a month. That's right, every month because they do more than just lower your rate. They look at your entire financial picture, finding every way to help you save. No pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees. So why not learn more? They'll give you a free mortgage review. You might skip two payments if you choose to move forward. Pre-qualify for free by calling 866-721-3300. That is 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. Again, pre-qualify for free right now. Call 866-721-3300, 866 NMLS 182-334, Alrighty, so... It's not just Nancy Pelosi. Joe Biden keeps nominating people to positions of power who are incredibly radical on the hard left. So, for example, he has nominated a person named Saul Omarova, whose background is literally that she did a fellowship in Moscow while the Soviet Union was still standing on economics. And the Biden administration refuses to release the papers that she did while she was studying over in Moscow because it's pretty obvious that she has a lot of sympathies toward the red left. 
here she was not all that long ago, literally saying she, she's being nominated to head up a banking regulatory agency, like a massive part of the banking regulatory infrastructure. She says, you know what? We should work on bankrupting the oil, coal, and gas industries. Um, excuse me? You mean how most Americans get their power? And where large swaths of Americans are employed? So this is the person you're nominating, Joe Biden? Captain Moderation over here? All right. Nikki Mack will be able, the NIA will be able to negotiate equity stakes in private enterprise that receives that public aid, be it a part of the systemic bailout or be it part of, for example, individualized restructuring help, for example, for certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. A lot of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? We want them to go bankrupt because we want to tackle climate change. Who are these people talking to? You still need the power that powers your house. You still need the gas that powers your car. Who are these people talking to? Who are they talking to? And they're in Congress too, right? You've got Representative Ilhan Omar saying basically the same thing. She's now trying to get fossil fuel producers to pay $500 billion for past greenhouse gas emissions. There's only one problem. We all used the carbon-based fossil fuels that produced the greenhouse gases. And this is not like Philip Morris lying about the effects of smoking. We, we are all well aware that smog is a product, for example, of, of using gas in your car, okay? We are all well aware of this sort of stuff. We all participated in it. We did, because, and we still participate in it because guess what? Most of us are pretty well-founded in our belief that human beings will adapt to a variation in the climate over the course of 100 years. But here, here she, I mean, what is this really about? It's about bankrupting these industries. The same thing as Saul Omarova. Large bipartisan majority of the United States public believe that fossil fuel corporations have a responsibility to address the dire consequences of their pollution. The largest fossil fuel producers must pay for their past greenhouse gas emissions, which could raise at least 500 billion alone. They must pay for the lives they have taken, for the futures they have robbed, and for the lasting toll their greed will have on the planet for generations to come. I have a question. Does she really believe that if there had been no gas companies, oil and gas companies, the world would be anywhere close to as wealthy as it is right now? Carbon-based fossil fuels are one of the great discoveries in the history of mankind, raising literally billions of people from abject poverty. In countries where carbon-based fossil fuels are not available, people are still burning dung for fuel. They're still burning dung and wood for fuel, which is actually really bad for humans and also not great for the environment, by the way. Meanwhile, you have Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, again, hostage of the progressive left. I, I'm almost at a loss for words for how stupid it is that the Democrats have decided to move in this direction. I don't know who is guiding this policy or why, why they refuse to triangulate to the middle. Listen, I'm a I'm, I'm person of the right, and I would much prefer to see the Democrats continue to embrace the suck and then lose because of it. Like, do it. Really, go as woke as you want. Go as radically environmentalist as you want. I'm just bemused as a political observer and someone who's done this professionally for 20 years to watch Joe Biden, a man who's elected in the teeth of Bernie Sanders, a man who was elected to deliberately push back against the radical left, embrace the entire agenda, 
of the radical left. Like, I don't know what's, I mean, the answer maybe is that there's not a lot knocking around in that brain these days. And there's uh, that, that is an empty room with a lot of cobwebs upstairs. That attic is, is definitely not full. There are, there are a few ghouls hanging around up there. Anyway, Gina Raimondo, who's the Commerce Secretary, is, is continuing to push this sort of nonsense. Equity is at the center of everything we do. Okay, so this is the coded racial equity language, the Ibram X. Kendi language pushed by the radical progressive left. Broadband is the gateway to economic opportunity. And so in order to open that gateway, we're putting equity at the center of everything we do. I will say, um, to truly transform our economy into one that works for all Americans and one that will make our country more competitive on the world stage, we have to make investments in a way that is equitable and just. And we view this lens across all of the work we do at the Commerce Department, and it will be particularly front and center with the broadband work that we will be doing. Broadband equity? Broadband equity? Okay, meanwhile, the Biden administration has now nominated a progressive partisan named Gigi Sones to the Federal Communications Commission. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. The White House last month hailed Sones as one of the nation's leading public advocates for open, affordable, and democratic communications networks. Translation, she favors deploying the agency's regulatory power to shackle broadband providers and silence conservative voices. Ms. Sohn founded the left-wing group Public Knowledge that has long sought more government control of the internet and media. She was a counselor to Obama FCC Chair Tom Wheeler and was a driving force behind net neutrality regulation that classified broadband providers as common carriers under Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. The Wheeler rule banned broadband carriers from charging heavy bandwidth consuming websites like Netflix and Facebook more to carry their content. She's also hinted at deploying the agency's regulatory power to censor conservative media. She tweeted in October of last year, quote, for all my concerns about Facebook, I believe Fox News has had the most negative impact on our democracy. It is state-sponsored propaganda with few, if any, opposing viewpoints. She has suggested using the FCC power over broadcast licenses to censor conservative outlets. After Tribune Broadcasting abandoned its merger with Sinclair Broadcast in 2018, she said, today is a good day for every American who believes that diversity of voices in the media is better for our democracy and urged the FCC to look at whether Sinclair is qualified to be a broadcast licensee at all. The FCC is split 2-2. If Sona's confirmed, Democrats will quickly move on the progressive agenda. I mean, it's, it's just, it's incredible. So they're embracing a hard leftism in every single form. And... They're not hiding the ball about it either. Again, this is being driven by an elite progressive left. And the agenda is, is not unclear. And Jamel Bowie makes the agenda particularly clear today. He has a piece in the New York Times called What Structural Racism Really Means. And what he actually concludes is the only way to fight structural racism is not to fight racism per se, is to dismantle all of the institutions of society. He says, quote, racism does not survive in the main because of personal belief and prejudice. It survives because it is inscribed and reinscribed by the relationships and dynamics that structure our society from segregation and exclusion to inequality and degradation of labor. Right, so capitalism has to go. The meritocracy has to go. Jamel Bowie writes, the solution, as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in, his year, in the year of his assassination, must involve a revolution of values that will look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth and see that an edifice which produces beggars needs restructuring. If democracy is to have meaning, King declared it is necessary to adjust this inequity. It is not only moral, but it is also intelligent. We are wasting and degrading human life by clinging to archaic thinking. By archaic thinking, Jamel Bowie, quoting Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. there, is, means capitalism and free markets. He says there's an inextricable link between all the things that make your life good and racism and inequity and evil. 
This is the group of people that the Democratic Party is now hostage to, the progressive left. We'll get to more of this in just one second, because really it is elite, it, it is an elite group of people who have benefited from the system and now are looking down on the system and spitting at it. Because the vast majority of people who are living in moderate circumstances in the United States, middle to low income in the United States, are not on board with this crap. We'll get to more of it in one moment. First, I'm thrilled to introduce an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up that's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro. You can get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. It comes in extraordinarily handy these days as the gas prices are out of control thanks to the idiocy of the Biden administration, at least in part. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 bucks a month in cash back. There is no catch. The cash back gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download that free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. That is code Shapiro. Go to the app store to get that GetUpside app right now for free and use promo code Shapiro to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank of gas plus 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up from now on. Go check out GetUpside app. Okay, so it is a group of, of elite people who believe this sort of stuff and they treat themselves like the elite. And they are bubbled off from the rest of society. It is not a coincidence that Joe Biden has spent most of his life bubbled off from the rest of society. It is not a coincidence that the columnists of the New York Times do not live like most Americans live. It is not a coincidence that Nancy Pelosi, for goodness sake, spends her days completely bubbled off and, and segregated off from the rest of normal human society. And they all hang around together and they all go to parties together. So Gavin Newsom went completely missing for like 11 days. And there was a lot of speculation about Gavin Newsom going missing for 11 days because it had happened right after his booster shot, et cetera. Okay, so Gavin Newsom recently revealed where he was. Apparently, he went to a Lux wedding in San Francisco. The wedding of Ivy Getty. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, the San Francisco royalty, that is the Getty family, took over their hometown this past week for a grand wedding, reportedly attended by Governor Gavin Newsom during his extended public absence. That was all sorts of strange. Covered in detail by Vogue, the Lux Affair celebrated the nuptials of Ivy Getty, great-granddaughter of oil tycoon J. Paul Getty, and photographer Tobias Alexander Engel. Here's a recap of the weirdest things that went down from IV drips to famous bridesmaids. So Pelosi presided over this thing. The affair took place at San Francisco City Hall. It was decorated for the occasion with pink and teal Persian rugs. Even the massive rotunda was carpeted. You can see the picture here. See the massive veil. You see the little girls dressed up as angels. But then you see Nancy Pelosi standing there like Elizabeth Banks from Pan Am presiding over the Hunger Games. You have Ivy Getty dressed in what appears to be pieces of a mirror that have been glued to a dress. And um, and there's Nancy Pelosi presiding, all unmasked, by the way. According to Vogue, attendees were asked to put on masks ahead of Pelosi's appearance, but that didn't stop her. She was, uh, she was still not wearing her mask as she presided over all of this. The bridesmaids included people like Anya Taylor-Joy, who's the lead in Queen's Gambit. She apparently led the bridal party in a dance down the aisle to Miracles Can Happen, sung by Myra. London Breed showed up. Gavin Newsom showed up. The dog, uh, there was a dog for a ring bearer. And after a late night mod party on Friday, the wedding party kicked off Saturday morning with a picnic at the log cabin on the Presidio. Ivy Drips were at the ready for anyone in need of help recovering from the night before. 
So they brought in the Ivy Drips. The wedding was themed in honor of Ivy Getty's grandmother. Apparently, it was all about interior design. Even Getty's ring included diamonds given to her by her grandmother when the bride was a teenager. So it was just the height of luxuriousness. Meanwhile, Gavin Newsom is still telling people that their kids have to be vaccinated. And London Breed is not masking while she informs every kid in San Francisco that if you want to go to a movie, you need to be vaccinated and or mask up. Okay, these are the elites. We have Prince Harry out there who's now testifying that he is talking with Jack Dorsey of Twitter about how Jack Dorsey was allowing a coup to be staged in early January. Who gives a crap what Prince Harry has to say about all this? But again, he's part of the global elite along with Meghan Markle, the, the, the greatest most brilliant minds, the people who are most connected with the needs of everyday Americans. Here's Prince Harry, who uh, who's now trying to explain to Jack Dorsey how American politics ought to work. You ever had a chance to present your case to the leaders of these companies, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey? No, not 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 directly, not personally. Um, uh, Jack and I were, were were emailing each other prior to January the sixth, where I, I warned him that his platform was allowing a coup to be staged. Uh, that email was sent the day before, and then it happened, and I haven't heard from him since. Well, if Prince Harry said so, then we must listen to him. Prince Harry, I mean, we, if, we, if we don't take very seriously his warnings about an American coup, after he came directly from Britain, where he crapped on his own grandmother for no reason at all, well then, we're, uh, we're just, we're not fit as Americans. We must take his advice, for sure. As the scion of a family who is completely useless in his actual role of being a useless person. He's so useless that he's useless at being useless. We must take him incredibly seriously, Prince Harry. Well, I'm so glad he's talking with Jack Dorsey about American politics. Very important stuff. And meanwhile, however, question, how are the everyday Americans doing? How y'all doing out there? Are you going to uh, Ivy Getty's wedding unmasked? Are you traveling in the same circles as Nancy Pelosi? You taking a jet into, into Scotland to talk about the, the need for climate justice? Are you hanging out with Ilhan Omar and, and talking about why we need to bankrupt the oil and gas companies? Is that, are these high priorities for you? We'll get to how Americans are actually being faced down with the predations of, of this government in one second. First, let's talk about the college education that you are about to get or that you're going to get for your kid. So let me just put it this way. A lot of colleges are a giant waste of time. They don't teach values. They don't teach skills. I've been reading your reports over the last couple of days about how something like 40% of people who enter college drop out and about how 28% of the people who stay in end up spending more for the degree than the degree is worth. Don't be one of those people. Instead, head on over to Grand Canyon University, an affordable Christian university, one of the largest, fastest growing universities in the country. Located in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, GCU is ranked top 20 for best college campuses in America and offers over 275 engaging academic programs with over 240 online. GCU integrates the free market system with a welcoming Christian worldview perspective into its academic programs so you can put your faith into action and help transform communities. In 2020, GCU students received over $290 million in scholarships with many attending GCU for less than the cost of a state university. Find your purpose at GCU, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash my offer to see what scholarships you qualify for. I recommend it highly. I visited there. The student body is great. The campus is fantastic. They have terrific faculty. Go check them out right now. gcu.edu slash my offer. Alrighty, coming up, we'll get to the actual issues now facing Americans, which do not include climate justice or environmental gender studies or any of the rest of the nonsense that the left is pushing. 
First, as most of you know, the Daily Wire filed a lawsuit against the feds in order to fight their tyrannical vaccine mandates. Within a week of filing the lawsuit, we've seen a big boost to our case. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a temporary stay over the weekend, preventing Joe Biden's mandate from going into effect, citing grave statutory and constitutional issues. That's big news. The fight is not even close to over. It is just getting started right now. We're not just fighting, obviously, for our own employees, but we are getting this mandate struck down for all employees. We want everybody to have medical freedom and stand up to the tyrannical mandate, vaxxed or unvaxxed. Everybody's voice should be heard. So if you believe in your medical freedom and the medical freedom of your neighbor, for that matter, and you want to support the fight against tyranny, I hope you'll take a minute, sign our petition against Joe Biden's authoritarian mandate. We have a goal of collecting 500,000 signatures that would send a powerful message to Joe Biden and the legacy media that Americans do not comply with tyranny. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have already signed the petition. We need a lot more people to stand with us to reach that goal of half a million signatures. So please head on over to dailywire.com slash do not comply and sign the petition today. Now, even though we are locked in the middle of a battle with the feds, the Daily Wire is not going to let that stop us from growing our platform. We're launching Daily Wire now. That means you'll be able to stream all your favorite Daily Wire shows like this one on Vizio Smartcast. You can also check out Candace's show or you can check out Matt Walsh's show. There's always something interesting to stream. Watch Daily Wire now exclusively on Vizio Watch Free Plus streaming app on channel 162 to access the content you love 24 hours a day, seven days a week, only on Vizio Smartcast. Meanwhile, our senile leader was elected to one of the most powerful positions in the world a year ago. And now we are going to unpack how that first year has been going and how it is affecting the American people. Tune in tonight because I'm flying into Nashville to take part in the much beloved backstage where we discuss how Americans are fighting back. Join me, Jeremy Boring, Michael Moles, Matt Walsh, and Andrew Clavin tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel, Daily Wire. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So how are things going for the everyday Americans who are not members of the Pan Am crowd? Well, um, U.S. inflation reached 30-year high in October, according to the Wall Street Journal. It rose at 6.2% annualized as pandemic-related supply shortages and continued strength in consumer demand continued to push up prices. The Labor Department said the Consumer Price Index, which measures what consumers pay for goods and services, increased at the fastest annual pace since 1990. Inflation also topped 5% for the fifth straight month. And everybody is starting to notice, including in the mainstream media. According to CNBC, we're now seeing the largest producer price inflation in modern history. Final demand year over year, uh, 8.6 expected, 8.6 is what we end up with, and 8.6 is the second time in a row, and both of these are the highest ever going back to the very first month, which was November 2010, when they recalibrated how they calculate this. Okay, and meanwhile, over on ABC News, they're recognizing, for example, that the vaccine mandates and the consequent staffing shortages are going to really hold things up for the holidays. Now to potential holiday travel chaos. The deadline for TSA agents to be fully vaccinated combined with staffing shortages at many airlines could spell disaster for getting to your holiday destinations. Well, the holiday travel crowds are coming. Delta says the Sunday after Thanksgiving, they're expecting 550,000 passengers. That is the most of any day since the start of the pandemic. But the airline industry has already seen several operational meltdowns this year. And a lot of people are wondering if the system can handle this coming rush. Same network, same message. ABC News says heating costs are about to slam wallets in the colder areas of the country as well. 
Heating costs this winter are expected to hit our wallets hard, and some, like Marissa Verna and her husband, are watching any hikes closely. I am nervous about my bill. Um, I run a small business out of my house, and I also work full-time remote, so the cost of any bill going up is alarming. The Vernas say their gas bill is roughly $240, but with projected increases, it could be as high as $360. And meanwhile, CBS News is reporting supply chain bottlenecks ruining the holidays. Supply chain bottlenecks could ruin Americans' holiday plans. Thanksgiving, of course, is a time when many families and friends gather to eat a big meal, complete with turkey, with stuffing, pumpkin pie even. But grocery stores are already struggling to fill empty shelves, and people can expect to pay record high prices for their holiday food. And so all of this is going particularly well for the Biden administration. It turns out the consequence of being utterly disconnected from the American people is that no one likes you. Joe Biden is currently riding in the upper 30s. He's going to go lower than that before all of this is over because he is disconnected from the American people. And I'm sorry, spending $1.2 trillion, half of which is going to go to climate change related garbage, is not a thing. It is not a thing. Okay, most of the money that he is now spending is not going to impact how Americans live. Everybody knows this. That bipartisan infrastructure deal is going to accomplish pretty much nothing in terms of how everyday Americans live. And just remember, only about $200 billion of that is to be spent on what we call hard infrastructure here in the United States. Every year, the feds, state, and local governments spend upwards of $300 billion on infrastructure. Most of the roads you ride on are not in dire shape. Most of the bridges you ride on are not in danger of collapse. So this is just going to go down in history as another boondoggle, another bunch of money spent for no reason. And Joe Biden starting to try and realize here apparently that the American people are uh, are worried, but he's got no solutions for them other than to continue moving to the left for some odd reason. We're in a situation where there's a lot of a lot of anxiety. Gas prices are up exceedingly high. They've been up this high before, but not not recently. Gas price. That's why I have the attorney general taking a look at whether or not these gas companies are gouging people because although the price of oil is coming down some, the price of gas hadn't come down some. So there's a lot of things that have people that are really a great deal of anxiety, a great deal of concern. I wonder why, Joe. I wonder why. I mean, first of all, this guy won't even get a physical. And this is a story that broke yesterday, is that he, he had promised he would get a physical and make those results public by the end of the year. Um, we are approaching the end of the year. No physical for Joe Biden. He hasn't had a physical, apparently, for two years. Here's the, the White House Assistant Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, explaining. Much earlier this year that the president would be getting his annual physical later this year. It's obviously later this year. The year is almost up. So when will he be getting that physical? I, I don't have anything for you. Uh, as Jen has said and we have said, that is going to happen. And once it does, we, we will be transparent about it. will for sure be done before the end of the year. I, that's, I, I think that's what we have said in the past. We will get this done. We'll, we'll make sure to get this done and share it with you, all of you. Yeah, we look forward to hearing the results about our, our senile president of the United States. Meanwhile, blue states, blue cities, they continue the vaccine insanity and the lockdowns and all the rest. Bill de Blasio, the communist groundhog murderer from New York, he said yesterday that New York should seek to force five-year-olds to show proof of vaccination to basically go in public now. At what point will you ask them to also start checking for vax cards for five to 11-year-olds? That's a very good question, and honestly, one we need to focus on now. We wanted to get to the day where we actually could vaccinate the youngest New Yorkers and get that rolling. We know it'll take a while. I mean, right now, to use the example of the 12 to 17-year-olds, 
very good news, we're almost at 79% of them. That's fantastic, but it did take a while. Okay, so he's going to force five-year-olds now to get vaccinated in Los Angeles. Thousands of gyms, restaurants, movie theaters, shopping malls, salons, and other indoor businesses in L.A. were acquired this week to start asking customers for proof of vaccination under one of the nation's strictest vaccination rules. This is according to The New York Times. The law, approved by the city council last month, allows people with medical conditions that preclude vaccination or a sincerely held religious objection to instead show proof of a negative COVID test. But the idea is that they are forcing every business in L.A. to now card people for vaccines. How are Americans enjoying the wild authoritarian leftism of the Biden administration and their and their local allies? Now, I would say not all that much. Not all that much. Uh, when you when you disconnect from the American people, the American people tend not to like it. And Democrats are about to find that out good and hard in 2022. All right, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles show that is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2021. An Austrian brothel offers free sex in exchange for taking the COVID vaccine. The White House tells businesses to ignore an appeals court stay on the vaccine mandate. And California Governor Gavin Newsom reappears after a mysterious absence. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hold up. 